Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most artistic, athletic, tenacious, basically unique and interesting people in the world. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Welcome to season three. As we continue to seek out some of the most unforgettable humans, some of the most memorable stories, in the first two seasons, the show featured guests from over 60 different countries and will continue down that path because it is imperative that we cherish the differences. And we can only do that by getting out and journeying into unknown frontiers, whether it be physically or simply through conversation, sharing lovely experiences and saluting the tenacious and resilient guests. We have a terrific episode for you today, especially if you love music. Today we welcome my old friend and talented, talented DJ and musician, Drew Pierce. Drew Pierce has an endless passion for music, for discovery, for people, for life. He's a DJ you hope is spinning when you go out. He has a unique style, uses a variety of mashups, blends, and creative transitions to keep the crowd guessing what's coming next. Drew has been a staple in Los Angeles, Orange County, and the Vegas club scene. He knows his music and will keep it fresh, interesting, and seamlessly blended all night long. While most DJs have a comfort zone in a particular genre, Drew's expertise stretches across a huge variety of tastes pleasing even the toughest musical critics. Making sure that everyone is having fun is Drew's ultimate goal, and his ability to get even the least likely guests on the dance floor makes him your number one choice. For Drew, he approaches each event with individuality and dedication. He feels that everybody comes to a party to celebrate. It's a special occasion. There is always a ton of fun to be had. Wherever the party, it comes with a soundtrack. And Drew's mentality is he likes to build each set to make that soundtrack come alive. He's DJed for the, some of the biggest companies, including Major League Baseball Players Association, having played the pre-party for the All-Star Game in Anaheim, Phoenix, and Kansas City. He's also played at the NBA LA All-Star Party, Clippers Basketball, Stance Sox, Xbox, EA Sports, Ciroc, and many other top companies. Over the past years, Drew has shared the stage with DJs and artists such as Stevie Oki, Sean Paul, Lil Jon, Warren G, Snoop, TJR, and so many more. One of the nation's top DJ record pools is Direct Music Service, known as DMS, and DMS brought Drew Pierce onto their team to help with the growth of the site, writing of the blog, and providing exclusive edits to the biggest DJs in the country. Drew is also featured daily on Radio.com's Fire Lane DJ station. On today's conversation, we talk about the meticulous details that go into planning and formatting a night of DJing. Drew also shares his musical beginnings and how he actually started in a band before his career as a DJ took off. Lastly, Drew and I dig through some crates and we do a little lightning round of the first songs that he thinks of for a particular BPM and genre. I had an absolute blast with this conversation. Drew and I go back a few years and we've always been in the same circle out here on the West Coast and it was great catching up with him. In fact, after we finished with our questions for the episode, we must have chatted for another 45 minutes. I think I told him the phrase, all right, well, I'll let you go. I think I told him that about five or six times before we actually hung up 30, 40 minutes later. So you know it's always a great great conversation, great relationship when that happens. Excited to bring him on. Music heads, you'll really appreciate this episode. Let's go ahead and bring on West Coast DJ from Los Angeles, Drew Pierce. And let's learn. What's up, dude? What's up, man? You've been DJing a long time. When was it that you first started getting into music? I, wow, I started... Um Actually, I was in a band. I um, I didn't know this. This is great. I, I played guitar in a band, and um, we were in a punk band. We were not good. We were the Uglies, <laughs> and we um, yeah, we just we didn't really take off or 
we were starting to get you know more and more popular just around this the scene but uh, nothing really blew up and then our drummer uh he was a little bit older than me and this was out of high school right out of high school and he uh fucked up his arm his wrist and he um someone referred to him just to dj it was like this company actually a guy that's local uh a uh, company that's local i so i said i want to do that that sounds fun and it so it was complete accident uh that i started djing just wow. uh, we were on break for the band and that was it <laughs> wow I, I didn't know this about you this is fascinating it's always interesting because djs have such a wide variety of knowledge of music and you grew up in a punk band so when you were young who were some of the artists that you listened to oh um no effects bad mm -hmm. religion okay uh we like some ska real big fish because that that scene you know i'm in southern california la and that scene was pretty much born here you know yeah. a lot of those bands were nothing they were just we we're doing backyard parties and you know i'm from long beach so sublime and all that you know was all right in my backyard so cool. we were going to those shows just because you know i was the house party and then it the scene ended up blowing up years later but that was you know i was like what 94 yeah i had real big fish on this morning at the gym take on me is one of the best covers i, I love that <laughs> 100% I love that song. Yeah, that was they were actually one of my first bands I ever saw. We snuck in at um this Old World Hall and they they were headlining and we went in and I was like, "What the fuck is this music? Like I've <laughs> never heard this before." So You mentioned that was one of the first shows you went to. Do you remember your actual first? Uh that was what I'd say was the first. Okay. And then um Lollapalooza was the second. Oh. Lollapalooza 93. Who headlined uh, that year? primus primus okay okay it was you know what's crazy is rage and tool opened the show wow. they were nobodies they opened the show and allison chains and primus like closed it out so yeah it's interesting to see who s stuck around and <laughs> who ended up going going uh leaving you know incredible raising machine opening uh, that's just incredible what about first album you ever purchased Ooh. Good question. First album. I think I got a tape of crisscross jump. Okay. At a, at a, but I know uh, if I'm really going back to when I was younger, it was probably just weird owl. <laughs> weird owl tapes. Um, okay. Yeah, my parents owned a video store growing up, so we would just watch really stupid funny movies and uhf weird Al's one was like one of the first so and uh that was i guess what my parents really pushed on me they you know they didn't know better they're like this guy's funny it's safe well the jurassic <laughs> park one is legendary that video is legendary yeah yeah oh as you first started getting into djing how did you broaden your musical knowledge if you come from a certain background you gotta learn other stuff i'm sure people came up to you at first and said hey you have x y and z and you never heard of it and you have to start learning new things so how did you go about that so we first started djing uh my buddy bought this cd player and i just had a book of cds and so it was we were just playing what we wanted or you know what we had really we weren't playing anything more than that and then as i started realizing i liked it i bought turntables and we would go to garage sales and collect vinyl uh, but i would just buy compilations you know that was it and just hope that their song was on it disco compilation or whatever be like oh yeah i got that play yeah. that but um like i said i got into dj and 
originally I was recording. I it was that's why I kind of worked in. I was in a band and I was going to school for recording. I was trying to learn how to, you know, record bands and music. And so I think the whole hip hop aspect of just like listening to songs and making beats and all that stuff was why I was just collecting more and more and more and more vinyl. So I was always just open to music. I liked everything really. And I think still to this day, I don't have uh, something specific. It's, you know, people like it, then I just, oh, okay. I, I, you know, I, I choose what I listen to, but you know, at the party, it's more of just, um, if someone says that this is a big song then you know, just go with what the reaction is, I guess. Yeah. How'd you work on your skills as time went on? Cause it sounds like you are kind of an autodidact learn as you went. So when it comes to certain technological things about gauging, how'd you pick that up along the way? Were there certain people that helped you out or was it just something you kind of fell into? A hundred percent. I had to learn on my own. I, I would, uh, buy those, um, craze old craze vhs tapes of him um the the battles the old techniques battles mm -hmm. i would just buy those tapes and and basically just watch and study the tape rewind the vhs tape and go back and be like okay they're taping the vinyl you know and so i would tape the vinyl for the cue points and um so really just watching tapes all before youtube and just taught myself it's like oh if i speed this up it'll blend and you know, like I said, I had a recording background, so I was actually editing songs. You know, I just thought it was cheating, <laughs> but I would edit songs so that I had a longer intro or it did this. And I would never tell anybody because I was like, oh, I don't want anybody to know I'm, I'm cheating. I'm not doing it the right way. Yeah, which is incredibly unquote, common, right? incredibly common now. So you were doing this. This was pre-Serato, pre-laptops, right? Yeah, we were burning CDs. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, burning CDs and um trying to make my own compilations and yeah just fixing a song if it didn't have an intro or extending it or switching the chorus or whatever so then once the laptop boom hit the dj world how did that expand your career uh, oh man i i just started playing more places because okay. then i wasn't limited you know yeah. to we were we were doing cds we were doing bars but um i think it just allowed you to start playing more music really you know because i think at the bars it was at the time it was just straight up and down hip-hop yeah. you know hip-hop and r&b so it's like oh three okay. oh oh three or so yeah and so it's just hip-hop you know so yeah. i think once the laptop came in i was already i had vinyl but i also would we had a cd player on the side so yeah. i felt like i i still had a, a a bunch of stuff we were just bouncing around this way it was just easier to organize yeah. and see the bpm right you would just go oh this is the next song instead of going through vinyl and having to have it memorized and mm -hmm. you know or the cds and being like you know it's all over the place it's not organized by bpm yeah so and I the was, initial serato you had to manually enter the bpm mm -hmm. i remember just like wow this is crazy i could see what song's next and <laughs> you know you're sitting there tapping it <laughs> yeah it was it was amazing it it definitely i got so much better so much faster yeah. Now, with all due respect to the East Coast, I, I really think that Los Angeles is the epicenter for, for the DJ world. During that time, who were some of the DJs that you loved listening to and loved being inspired by? Uh, the Beat Junkies. Mm -hmm. So out here, uh, radio, the Beat Junkies were on power. They were on all the stuff. So um, coming from more of a punk background, I didn't know a lot of the old older hip hop. I just, this is nothing okay. I listened to. So I would... Uh, at my job, I would get lunch break. I'd go on lunch and I'd sit in the car and just write down every song Okay, okay. And they would play. And then I would go back and I'd study and try and figure out what it was. And, uh, oh, they did that into this, you know, just constantly learning. 
just figured out more and more. So beat junkies for sure. And then that first thing that blew my mind open was the DJ AM was on uh, power 106 out here. It's mm-hmm. a hip hop station. And he did all, it was, you know, his classic mix. It was all uh sweet home Alabama and sweet Caroline and yeah, wonder why knows yeah. what. Yeah. It's just about everything else. And you're going, what you don't have to play just hip hop and he's doing it cool <laughs> yeah so that just changed everything i did like uh at that mix for sure right. i know it's constantly learning new things but what are some of the things that you know now that you wish you would have known when you were younger i'll say i wish i would have listened to myself and not my parents my parents or anybody else was right. constantly you can't do that for a living okay. okay you can't make money off that i i wish i would have i knew i could do it you know Mm-hmm. I, I knew I could make money off of it. And I, my dad is in my head of going, no, you got to be a teacher or do this or do that. And so I think there was years where I stopped DJing because I listened to my dad. I wish I did it. I, I really am pissed off because I feel like I would be farther along in yeah. my career. I think I missed like a little bit of the, the big boom because I wasn't just in the, in the lab making edits and doing stuff that ended up becoming a big part of my career. You know, that's how I think how we met, really. Um, you saw some of my stuff on DMS. That's right. Again, it's something that you've been doing on the, on the cassettes and the CDs is now widespread and pretty much every professional DJ has their own edits as well. Yeah, 100%. I'm fascinated by, you mentioned earlier about like the hip-hop bubble back then in mid-2000. It was strictly hip-hop. Fast forward five years, we're in this EDM boom that a lot of those songs now you can't even play. And now we're, we're currently in a Latin Boom. Right. So, yeah. Am, am I missing any? Are there any? Have you seen other waves along the, in your career? So before I got into DJ in early 2000s, it was a big trance boom. Um, okay. We would go see um, Paul Oakenfold and Christopher Lawrence, and that was the DJ. And the hip hop room was on the side. That's right. That was the side room, and then that was about oh oh one to about 03 and then hip hop just took over yeah. from 03 to probably 08 and then it went to EDM, right? So it almost seems like a cycle, you know, hip hop did come back pretty big here and and then, you know, we're I'm seeing house becoming big again, you know, it's the early part of the decade. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then um the latin is just the new pop because it almost seems like no one's making pop it's just so regurgitated Mm -hmm. trash you know that is so funny that you mentioned that back then the hip-hop room was the small room i remember going to places and then people hey where you at well i'm going to the hip-hop side why are you going over there there's nobody over there you know and it was it was a completely different it's incredible yeah 100 percent. yeah we would we would go it's just the the djs doing trance and uh i you know it was fine but you know i was young i just turned 21 so we were going out wherever the girls were really (laughs) well i also love that you mentioned oakenfold because earlier when you're talking about rage against machine opening i actually saw paul oakenfold as a headliner and the opening dj a little unknown guy who's had a a decent career since then but calvin harris opened for oakenfold i saw that show up here so (laughs) that's so tight i love that when I talk to DJs, I always like to just kind of go back and look at some of the songs that were popular. We've already talked about the errors and the bubbles, but even within that, there's certain songs that just went off. So if you look back on the, on the time, let's go to the first, the hip-hop era. What do you think was the biggest song that stands out? The one that gave the biggest crowd reaction when it was dropped? People just, they did the, oh, or things just stopped. The room just shut right. down for that one song. What are some of the ones? I want to go first. Like for me, I once heard a DJ 
play 50 cent in the club gets on the mic after it was finished and he said yo that song was so hot i'm gonna play it again he went back to back and i've <laughs> never seen anything since so that's how big that song was all right uh wow that's a good question um i want to say there's always that one song right there's always one song always that, one yeah. uh, during you know right when you're setting up someone's running it up to you and going hey are you gonna play this yeah, i gotta wait well, on I mean, it. I gotta wait turn on the me. shit on yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna open with it but you know you almost have to play it multiple times because mm -hmm. it's so big um but i would say you know next episode so i'm an la guy so um dr dre next episode was huge um let's see really I remember Flow Rider Low. I remember mm -hmm. when In the Club was big. I remember Hot in Here, Nelly mm -hmm. was was big. Those those records. I remember Low. I remember playing it the first week it came out because we would get the promo only CDs. Yeah. And and I remember just playing it and everyone was like, oh, it's terrible. Yeah, and then yeah. it became that song. It was just like over and over and over. Was there but, another one that when you first heard, you thought this is terrible? Because I know the first time I heard Timber, I thought, God, this is garbage and little would i know right. three months later it, or three weeks later it's the biggest song out for the entire summer right um my humps yeah. <laughs> fergalicious yeah. i think those anything i remember my humps was so big yeah. and i just thought this song is just complete garbage but um yeah it became massive uh or hollaback girl i still hate that song b-a-n-a-n-a-s it's the worst song ever <laughs> and it still does well it still does well how about that edm bubble what was the song then oh i mean i remember levels really being that mm -hmm. song that that was that was just the one but um i remember specifically i don't know if anyone requested this but uh we would uh day and night the crookers remix yeah, yeah. that was the one i i remember when i first started playing edm was that song that was one that I think it opened people up from the mainstream into house music, especially because I know that it was my MySpace song. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, there wow. was a show. There was a little uh, club they used to have in L.A. It was um, Aoki's club. It was mm -hmm. on a Tuesday, Cinespace. And all those big early um, blog house style would all come through and we would go to those shows and it would be yeah crookers would play and it wouldn't have a clue what any of the music they were playing but you know yeah. just digging on blogs trying to find all this shit. yeah i think another one thing i'll so calling uh, just the way it built very similar levels in that respect over the last few years serato added a play count which goodness i am obsessed with my play count <laughs> and i wish it would have yeah. existed forever because I, i'm just fascinated by looking back on it so if we went back to your career what do you think would be the biggest song on your play count I'm going to look right now. I mean, definitely this is how we do it. I think I play it every single okay. show, right? Yeah. It just, it works. And then I would say, let's see. Um, now with 123 plays is Fireball, Pitbull. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I just have an edit that kind of has like a little hype on it and it comes yeah. into the horns. And I think I just, I, I, I know I play it early in my sets on at weddings a yeah. lot because everyone will jump. And then the photographers are there for the first 10 songs. And I know I, that everyone will jump. So I know we'll get a good pick. Yeah. And so that crazy in love. Okay. Yeah. Um, Donza Caduro. Yeah. Uh, Icona pop yeah. Michael Jackson. Don't stop to get enough September. Yeah. Um, I, I do a lot of weddings. So yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah. of this stuff and then, but I do play a lot of different remixes. So I think some of it, I'd have to like add them up. True. You know? 
It might be a different version or a different intro or something. I think Sensei and Sal the play count, my number one is his loud luxury body. And if we went all time, Montel Jordan's there, but I I think mine all time would probably end up being Paper Planes, another one that you could play. Oh, all right. I love that song. You mentioned earlier about when a song's really popular, you're like, you might be able to play that twice. So what's the formatting like for people who don't know anything about music? Because oftentimes if you tell it to someone who doesn't know about DJing, they don't understand, well, why, why can't you play it twice? Why can't you do that? So what's the formatting like for you when you're planning a four-hour set? I try my hardest to never play a song twice. Mm-hmm. I, for the most part, I don't do it. And what's, unless, the, what's the main reasoning behind that? Well, I guess I would refer, one, you're not going to do it at a wedding because no one wants to hear the same song twice. Yeah. You just... There's so there's so much music you don't need that song, um, and then but I think um, at a bar, the reason I would play something twice is if it was large turnover. So a lot of these bars that we play at or clubs or whatever, you know, especially like down in Scottsdale where you're at, everyone's bar hopping, you know. Mm-hmm. So they you you might have a late dinner crowd, and then you would play those songs, and then at the end nobody's there anymore uh, the same people right so it's all a new crowd so uh, you might have played it just because it was big at the time you know everyone's going to leave and you know you're trying to keep them there as long as you can yeah. but otherwise i i try not to play the same stuff just because i think it the bartenders that work there they don't want to hear it they're already sick of that song <laughs> you know yeah and I think that I think most people, when they go to a bar, they're probably there three and a half, almost maybe four hours. So that's why within that four hour set, you don't want to play a song twice. Let's talk requests. Some DJs hate them. There's the you yeah. know, stereotype, no requests. Some DJs accept them. It really it depends on the individual. Over the last few years now, actually, people preface it by saying, are we allowed to? Which I think is funny to me because they didn't ever used to ask, is this okay? So I'm, I appreciate the fact that the public is starting to get it. But, they, <laughs> but still, they even say obscure things like, can I make a recommendation? Can I do this? So... Where do we stand right. on requests? What's your mentality for that? And then do you have a great or bad request story? <laughs> uh, yes. So I don't mind requests. Mm-hmm. I just won't play it. And I'll just say, oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll I see if I can get that it. in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, if I don't like it, right? Mm-hmm. But if it's good, I'll play it. Who cares? I'll play it next, you know? Um, I never accept money unless they throw it, you know? Mm. But if someone tries to grease me five bucks... I'll just say, no, keep your money. Cause then I don't want to owe that person requests all night. It's more of, I don't want you even being in my, I don't want to see you and you come up and ask for another request. It's like, Nope, I didn't take your money. Kick rocks. Um, but I hate it when they do the cell phone bit, you know, Mm. the cell phone name. So what I've been doing is I'll just grab the cell phone. I take the cell phone and I'll, uh, I pretend like I'm looking at it and then I set it on the table side beside me and I just keep DJing and I see how long it takes for them to uh, ask for their phone back. It's more mm-hmm. of just the game of it, but as long as you're not rude, it's all good. You know, um, I, I think what bugs me is sometimes they do, they know the song's not going to work and they know that it's a bad request. And, you know, I'll just ask the person and go, are you seeing this? Are you at the same party? I am. Do you think this is going to work? You know, I, and then they go, ah, I guess you're right. And they walk away. But uh, yeah. I think, I think uh, people don't realize, you know, so I'm, I try not to be a dick about it. There's no reason, you know, just be nice to everybody. Yeah. But I just don't play it. Weirdest thing someone has said to you or has asked you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> good question. I, uh, 
I don't know. Probably just a backhanded compliment that I can't think of at the moment. Um, I think for me, luckily, it, it was it was when, and this has happened multiple times. It was when someone comes up and says, "Hey, will you play Kanye West while I'm playing a Kanye West song?" And then I'm like, "Oh, you mean like this?" And then they usually followed up with, "Well, not this one." And you're like, <laughs> I I need to think about that. I can't think of uh, what I what I'm going what I'd say, but <clears throat> I think. Yeah, people could just be mean, dude. You know, it's more of just I, I, I call the DJ at this stage. I, I feel that we're we're basically the the bouncer of the jukebox. You know, we're just like, no, your money's no good. No, this is what's good. This is this is what needs to be played. So as long as you're able to, you know, at least read the room, I don't feel like I get too beat up about it. Other than what's popular, and we talked about the bubbles, how they've changed. How have you changed? Has your mentality changed just as how you format? I just go with the room. I, I don't even care anymore. I think I listen to more podcasts than I listen to music. You know, same, you, can tell, uh, you can tell if a song is good or not. And then I, I think I go through music really fast. But I, I re-edit almost everything I play. So I think formatting-wise, I might just play faster, really. I think... I'm playing just hooks and drops now, right? Yeah. Um, people's attention spans so short, you know. I did a wedding just the other day, and um, I was just slamming through tracks just to keep people on the dance floor. And it is a really, real, real fine line with it, because uh, then some people don't get it, and they go, "You got to play the whole song." And then other people love it because you know they don't leave the dance floor. It's like they just wait for the next one. They know it's going to change fast enough. Yeah. And I think that is a kind of a, the younger crowd knows that it's going to happen. With that, there's a, there's a big relationship. I've always thought of DJing as a relationship with the crowd, and, and it's a kind of give and take. Like, I want to show you some new songs, but I'm also going to give you what you want as well. So I got to balance that. So how do you approach just the relationship of maybe dropping something new, but also appeasing them, giving them what they want, giving them the, the Fergie songs? Right. Um, so I would say, and I'm going to relate this to a wedding or – you know, a bar or whatever, mm -hmm. but I'd say more for a wedding. I just come out swinging. It's just, mm -hmm. here's first 20 minutes. Oh, so they realize, wow, this DJ is good. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. I'm going to give him a little bit more slack. Right. So then you can introduce that new song and they're not going to, they're going to go, he has to be going somewhere with this. I like that. It's not just, uh, he's not just forcing a shitty song on me. Okay. so I think, I think that's that line of proving out the gate, you know, I know what I'm doing. Just trust me. Yeah, yeah, building that, that a, trust. That was the word I was going to ask was that, do you feel that's how you establish trust? hundred percent. Yeah. I just, I, I know if I'm thinking about this wedding I did on Saturday and I, I was playing, that was not real fast, but I was playing faster. Mm -hmm. And I think just towards the end, they're like, Hey, you're killing it. Do what you want. If you get chance, I want to hear this. Okay, cool. But there, no pressure. It's just you already know what you're doing. It's trust. They're like you're, you know more than me. Like the groom came up and, he, you know, he he's he's like, oh, will you play this song if you get a chance? But you keep doing you. I could be wrong, you know. So I think when you're on the phone before they hear you, they uh, they think they know it all. And then once they hear you, they're oh, never mind. Yeah, you do you. Yeah. You got this. Well, I, I appreciate the person who said that way. It's a very polite way of, of saying that as well. That is a compliment and something that I think is probably not said enough to DJs. You talked about, about playlists, about songs that, that never fail, Montel Jordan. I know that like you could probably go to 
the car wash. You could go to a club. And Whitney Houston, I want to dance with someone. I want to dance with somebody. Still crushes no matter where it is. So aside from like the mainstream hip hop, mainstream pop, what are some other ones that are in your can't miss folder where, you know, you're just like, watch this. I got this. Right, right. Let's let's look here on the last uh, last week. I know you got a folder um, that's the can't miss folder. Man, I've been we do uh, we do trials where we get rid of all our folders and mm. I rebuild them. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm kind of in a, a weird place at the moment where I've gotten rid of stuff. Let's see. Um, you know. I, I, I guess I think of songs in a set, but um, lately, like a rock set would be, you know, Fallout Boy mm-hmm. has been really big for me, or Blink. Um, but also in that same little down tempo set, it's you know, walk it out, laffy taffy, <laughs> lean with it, rock with it, and I just I play them so fast. That I think they're all just choruses to me. I, I think of it as just one song because just do it. It's kind of more, more of a routine, I guess playing playing pretty fast fascinating yeah i always think of like third eye blind as well that song never yeah. ever ever fails we did a little hook uh acapella intro of that we play uh um, even jumper even jumper surprisingly like never would have thought that'd be a club song but it is we both do video i'm sorry but we both do video and so i do uh i have that um jim carrey where he's singing to the guy with the that's guitar right. that's yeah right. it's a funny video yeah all right without looking at your laptop I want to go a little yeah. fast in the lightning round. I'm going to tell you a genre of music in advance. And then the second thing I'm going to say is the BPM. And I want you to just, without thinking, first song that you would drop. Okay. I haven't done this before, Let's... but I, I had a feeling that this would be fun with you. All, All right. right. Club setting. Hip-hop, 75. Uh, Soldier Boy. Okay. Crank that? Crank yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Club setting, early at night, 10 p.m., pop, 100 BPM. Crazy in Love. I, I, I still love that song. That's okay. probably the only Beyonce song I like. Okay. Merging from dinner hour to it's picking up a little bit. You're, you're up in the BPM, 128 beats per minute. You want to go EDM, but maybe more of a pop intro in EDM? I'd probably play Pitbull, Give Me Everything Tonight. Okay. That, that doesn't miss ever, ever. And the other pop I would have said, I, I didn't think of it fast enough, but I would have said Levitating is, okay. uh, yeah. Or Dancing Queen. I don't know. That's made such a major uh, resurgence lately. Yeah, it has. I think maybe the most awkward BPM range, 105 to like 112, that gets to me, gets to me a black hole at times. There's a, I feel like I'm limited. In that range, pop. Uh, the middle, Zed. Okay, okay. The gir- girls love that one. Another one that might be, might be a little awkward range, but 85 to 90 hip hop. That is an awkward range. I yeah. always uh, that's where my paper plane gets paper plane. Yeah. Gets my- <laughs> oh, I got it. Eminem, lose yourself. Fantastic, fantastic. That song, everyone sings along to that song. I mean, you could just cut it out. They sing. It's massive. I usually play that with paper planes. Is why I used to have paper planes. I play them back to back. What do you feel over time has been the song that when you talk about people singing along, where you can just drop the volume down, not even for one word, you can let the whole thing on. What's been the one song that stood out? You know, ain't no fun. I yeah. <laughs> still, to this day, you could preach, leave the whole thing off and they'll sing it. Um, wow. I mean, yeah, I'm thinking I, I cut off a lot of those songs, dude. Blink. 
Yeah. Um, My own worst enemy, the hook every time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Brightside, I've been playing that regularly. Uh, you could pretty much leave that off at this point. Yeah. I don't, that's a good one. I think a Rough Rider Anthem, probably over my time, that's been the big the volume down for him. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Definitely. When you think back to iconic songs, some songs stand out because of that first beat. You can go back to the 60s, Hard Day's Night, that first sound. You instantly know what it is. It's instantly recognizable and it instantly crushes. How about songs like that? Or whether it be the first word, first beat, Usher, yeah, right there. What are some other ones you think of? Just that first sound. You know, going back to that, crank that. Dun, dun, you know, the little uh, steel drum. That thing yeah. just comes in and everyone goes crazy. Um, hmm. I think a lot of the same songs that I'm, I'm listening, like, you know, uh, staying alive, really. You have that, that, that drum. Uh, I know that first sound, you know, what I, I usually cold drop is, um, I want you back Jackson five. Mm -hmm. Um, it has just, a, it kind of rolls in, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, get, you got some good questions here, man. <laughs> I, I can't think off the top of my head unless I'm staring at my laptop. I, I feel like songs almost go out of my head. Yeah, well, it's like when you're thinking, trying to think of a song while you're hearing another song, it can be very difficult. You mentioned listening to a lot of podcasts. So what would I be surprised to know that you listen to? You're driving back from a gig, because I know whenever I'm leaving a gig, the last thing I want to do is anything that I play. So for me, it's in my life, the Beatles, it's the, the kills, it's, it's the yeah, yeah, it's just something, anything that I, that I haven't heard. So for you, yeah. what would be surprised that you listen to on the drive home? Um, uh, definitely... Usually, if I'm tired, all three I'll listen to Bad Religion, um, No Effects, or Minor Threat. Okay. And or I also do some reggae. Okay. But usually, I want to wake up, you know, so I, I plan something hard and fast yeah. just to get home. And the go-to podcast is what? Um, right now, Song Exploder. Very cool. Uh, have you listened to that one? I know it. Now, I don't listen to regular, but I know it. Yeah. It's awesome podcast. And then something on the same lines as a uh, singer from less than Jake, Chris mm -hmm. makes, he has a podcast about, uh, they just go over songs. He breaks down the songs. So it's the same as song exploder, but, uh, he has the person on and then they just, he kind of talks about the song and they break it down. Oh, you added guitars on this chorus and did, you know, just, I, I'm fascinated by hearing uh, about people talk about how they came up with these ideas. So a lot of that. I am as well, because it changes how you look at a song. I know Rick Rubens, he's got his podcast, but he also did an interview video series with Paul McCartney. And they talk about how they did Penny Lane. I listen to it differently now that I know the background line. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, speaking of podcasts, you just started a new one with our buddy, Dave Fusimania, Wolfield. What's the name of it and what can we expect? It's the Drew and Fuse show. Um, me and Fuse both work for Direct Music Service, and we're on. Uh, we're constantly talking all week long about just music and tech and you know other people. So the idea of the show is I've always loved morning radio. Um, like say we have uh, the Kevin and Bean show I, out here in LA. I grew up on. Uh, they're not around anymore, but uh, I just love that format. And so also a lot of people just call me about tech, and I'm a I'm a big nerd for Apple products and, you know, just talking with uh, DJs, getting them out of their comfort zone, thinking that they have to own a 
2010 Mac because the new ones don't work or, you know, so basically it's going to be music talk. We're going to have interviews on, but we're not going to do, it's not going to be the same format of interviews. Um, trying to just change it up, you know, and bring the person in as more of a, a third guest to talk about specific topics uh, instead of too, too in depth about them and travel. I've been doing a ton of traveling. Uh, it's kind of been what I did after what, how I pivoted off of um, the, uh, the pandemic. I just started working for other companies across the country. So yeah, travel tips, I don't know. I, I, we're getting a ton of people just commenting in. So I think it's going to grow and change. We've only done two episodes so far. So mostly music, tech, travel, and try and keep it funny. Light. Yeah. Well, were you talking more about the last year? How was it? Just because for DJs, just, it was, everything was shut down, right? There was no events. And with that, there was so much uncertainty. And it was like, do I get to call myself a DJ if I am actually not DJing? So for you, how would you right. handle that emotionally? Well, I sat on the couch and cried for about two months and Fair drank enough, myself yeah. to death. What was the drink and, of choice? I'm curious on the drink of choice. Um, <laughs> just because I could drink them in uh, quantity. So it was probably Modelo's or White Claws. Um, awesome. Yeah, just listen, listen, just, someone drinking themselves in a pandemic in White Claw. That totally summarizes 2020. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could drink, I could drink a case of them and not have a too bad of a hangover. So yeah. I, uh, so yeah, so basically did that, then did Twitch for a little bit and Twitch was fun, but it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was super fulfilling for me. And then I went, um, I'm on a bunch of DJ, um, groups on Facebook and just said, Hey, we'll work for food, you know, mm -hmm. let's go. And so I started traveling, um, working for other companies across the country that were still open, you know, I have a buddy's company in Florida, it's still open. And so, yeah, that was it. Just get the fuck out of California because we suck here. <laughs> <laughs> when you didn't know the answer, when there, there was no one really to ask, like, Hey, what are we going to do? What do I do? What do you, what'd you do in that situation when you didn't actually have the answer? <sighs> Man, I started looking inward about what, I liked and what I didn't like about what I was doing. So I just took a break. It was like, well, much, much needed break. Uh, I was booking a bunch of DJs at bars. I had a company, you know, we were trying to really push forward and do more, more weddings, book some of these guys. And I just realized it was so stressful booking somebody that didn't really care as much as I cared uh, or would flake and not show up or, you know, thinks they deserve more than they, they should. Uh, just a lot of that stuff. Uh, I always treated everyone so well. And I just think when it wasn't given back in return, I just uh, went a different way, you know? And so now I'm just, I know I'm, I know I can book myself out. So I'm just, you know, really going that direction now. Just, um, I saw to answer your question is just, I saw what I hated, got rid of all of that in my life, realized I didn't need to make as much money. I'd rather just live and be with my family and be happy. And I don't need to be working myself ragged for other people. Very cool. So with that, with that, what do you feel is just the biggest life lesson you learned from the last 18 months? Life is short. <laughs> Anything could be pulled out from you tomorrow. Always, uh, always be have a new plan. You know, I, mean, I think that's part of the podcast. I always want to do it. Why we're not playing games anymore. Just do it. Right. We'll figure it out. And so I think just doing stuff and not holding back and 
Um, yeah, I just realized tomorrow's not promised. So live it while it's here. I think it's a beautiful answer. Fantastic answer. You mentioned over the last year, you've been doing travel a little bit. During that time, you've been exploring new places. What's been the best food you've encountered in a new location where you're like, I did not know this existed and I'm addicted and I'm going to travel back to this place just for that food? What's it been? Dude. <laughs> where do we begin? Yeah. Yeah, where do we begin? Uh, you know, I'm definitely going to run with barbecue. I think I've been doing uh, more south back east, you know, so Texas and, uh, you know, Austin and um, Kentucky um you know i guess it's not food but the bourbon in kentucky <laughs> was pretty good as well hit a couple little uh distilleries so yeah i'm gonna go with barbecue okay you know yeah okay now that we've been flying again best airport food court is where our food scene food restaurants is at which airport so something that i will say that i i had to learn because i was spending so much money on uh food because is I, I gotta, um, you gotta get the Delta lounge pass. Okay. And so to be honest with you, I just go there and I, I don't really get, if it's free, then I'm eating it. That, that's enough. about it. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, I, I was just dropping a hundred bucks here and there and you know, uh, the, the money starts going fast. So yeah, I, I'm more of a, a cheap eater when it goes to airports. Then you're I'll a smart eater. You're you're a wise <laughs> eater. <you know? laughs> I do the free Delta food. Yeah, that's what that's what I would get. This has been an absolute blast, man. I, I love chatting with you. I feel like we're in the same room. I think you and I could definitely chat music all day. I didn't know about the punk background. That really was exciting. But I tell you what, after you mentioned Less Than Jake, the first thing I do in the, when I get in the car, I'm putting on Science of Selling Yourself Short by Less Than Jake. One of my favorite songs. So good. Yes. Putting that one on. So what's next? Tell me what's next for you. What do you got coming up? And how can people follow your career and stay up to date with your life? Yeah, I'm uh, really pushing video right now. I'm pushing okay. video and exclusive videos. Uh, I'm doing a speech at the DJ Collective coming up here and have uh, just entertaining, showing DJs how they could add video to their sets. Um, so I got that. You can follow me at my website, djdrewpierce.com. There's tons and tons and tons of mixes, all different styles. Uh, we got, and then on Instagram, uh, DJ Drew Pierce at DJ Drew Pierce. Uh, other than that, check out the new podcast, Drew and Fuse Show. Um, that's that's we're gonna be putting a, a ton of effort and time into that, and so it's updates weekly every Tuesday, and it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be fun. Fantastic. Right on, man. Well, I really appreciate it. this. Is this is rad? Yeah, I appreciate you as well, man. I'm glad we linked up, made it work. Cool, my man. I know we'll talk again, but uh, thanks for today. I'm going to go listen to some Less Than Jake right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Enjoy. Peace. All right, man. Later. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to my man, Drew Pierce. Be sure to give him a follow so you can stay up to date with his career. And if you need a DJ for an event, book Drew. He's your man. Remember, you can listen to him on the Drew and Fuse show with another one of Enigin Runway's former guest, David Wolfield. So check out their show, The Drew and Fuse Show. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.